So good morning and welcome to this week's The New Penal to the Point. The New Penal to the Point is a weekly podcast series where in around 10 minutes each Friday, we break down the key elements of our weekly The New Penal conversation with industry leaders and entrepreneurs. And we offer an opinion on the key points from that conversation and discuss how our listeners may practically apply them in their businesses. Just before we start the conversation today, we would love to have you as part of our official The New PL community. We're launching a number of exciting new initiatives over the next couple of months, and we'd love to have you involved. So please just go to principlesandleadership.com and either fill out the newsletter subscription prompt on the landing page, or scroll down to the bottom of the homepage and fill in your details there. And we look forward to welcoming you into our community and into our movement. This episode of the new PNL analyzes this week's the new PNL conversation with Century 21 Global President and CEO Mike Meadler. Century 21 is the largest global network of real estate agents in the world. They have over 146,000 employees and partners in over 13,000 offices within 85 countries. And we started the conversation by Mike making a really, really interesting point when it came to Century 21. And he said that Century 21 were actually the original disruptors in the real estate market. When 50 years ago, the two founders made a decision to create a national and then a global network of estate agents under a single brand, which for the industry at the time was completely unheard of. And even this point around the original disruptors of industry is worth a whole, the new PL point to itself. We may come back and revisit that in the future. And the reason I think that point was interesting was because we are obsessed in business at the moment with the concept and the reality of technological disruption, both from big tech startups entering an industry, as well as the phrase that seems to have entered everyone's business lexicon, that of digital transformation. But clearly, transformation and disruption have always been key and important components of the business process and of evolution in business. So although the, the size and the scale and the speed of transformation and of disruption may be perceived as greater today due to the global reach of data and networks and the incredible capacity and capabilities of algorithms, what we're actually witnessing and experiencing and living through is merely just the latest step in the evolution of business and of society. And I think it's critically important for entrepreneurs and business people to frame it that way in their minds. And if we do frame it and we do see it as evolutionary, as naturally evolutionary from a business perspective and a societal perspective, then rather than railing against it or ignoring it through a mix of fear and confusion or pretending that it won't impact on us, our frame of mind works in our favor and it encourages us to embrace it, to embrace disruption, embrace transformation, to educate ourselves about it and to activate the opportunities that disruption and transformation can deliver. And then we benefit from that disruption and that transformation rather than just impacted on by it. Because as entrepreneurs and business people, we're not just passive static objects waiting for transformation or disruption or some other negative element of business to impact on us. There is no inevitable negative consequence to market disruption. And when it arises from whatever form it takes, we need to turn it to our advantage. We need to work with our colleagues, with our mentors, with our peers and with the industry to understand how any given technological disruption or any other disruption for that matter, like the pandemic, can be harnessed positively 
and we can use it to transform our businesses in a positive sense and to help them grow in the future. And it's clear the pandemic has been destructive and, and tremendously difficult in many respects, but perhaps one positive thing over the medium term that may come from the pandemic in a business sense is that it may have forced some businesses to evolve now and change their business model rapidly, which although painful and a very difficult and challenging learning curve due to the speed and intensity of it, it may have actually and ultimately served to save a business that would have been in terminal decline without recognizing that need to change or without the necessity forcing them to make that change. Mike and I also chatted at length about the inherent challenges in building a consistent global culture and the balance that needs to be struck between ensuring there is enough continuity across the culture, a common vision, a mission, a way of doing things and brand values, as well as enough flexibility to ensure that the cultural and geographical and market nuances in each of those regions in a global business can be accommodated and integrated into the brand at a local level. So it retains both global integrity, but also local relevancy. And Mike had a very interesting take on this. He said the culture for Century 21 is built around and totally driven by and totally focused on its core aim or mission at a global level. And that mission is to provide customers with a real estate experience that is absolutely the very best in the market. And this core focus and mission in turn drives every element of that culture. The desire to first find people and partners that have a totally aspirational and customer focused mindset. To find those individuals that will defy mediocrity. Mediocrity that so often permeates so many businesses. And then once they've found those aspirational and customer focused individuals, then they provide them with all of the right tools, resources and the foundations and the Century 21 brand equity to make it as easy and efficient as possible for them to meet the core mission of the business, delivering that best customer experience. So you create this very virtuous circle. You have a core mission. You find the right people to deliver that core mission based on characteristics and aspirations and mindsets that fit. And then you make it as easy as possible for them to deliver that message by enveloping them, by wrapping them with all of the tools and the resources and the brand and the support that they need to deliver it as effectively and easily as possible. And a key component of this is having the consistent training and the engagement and the action and the delivery from senior management that always mirrors that core desire to both defy mediocrity and inspire all employees and partners to deliver at that highest level. And that's another core important point. We can't expect employees and partners to believe in that mission, to deliver on that mission, and to be inspired by that mission if that very mission isn't also embodied and mirrored by the senior management and the CEO and the teams that lead those employees and partners. And Mike said one thing that's quite often overlooked in that delivery of the culture and in that ambition for the mission is the need for management to also understand the why of their employees and their network partners. And there's an awful lot written about why in business today and sometimes it's a bit overdone, I feel, a bit overused and misguided. However, I do think that with Mike in this particular issue, he had quite a refined version of it. Because for Mike, he wanted to get beyond the professional why of the individual, if you like, and understand the personal why. What an individual's or an employee's ultimate ambition or reason is 
behind the role they perform. He wants to understand what's taken them to this position, what outside of work drives them every day to deliver on it, because everyone's motivations will be different. He cited some will be you know, just working to work towards retirement. Others will be to pay that mortgage. Others will be to give back to the local community through donations. Others will be to support wider families. And there'll be a multiplicity of reasons and motivations why they want to deliver in this job. Because Mike believes if you can get to the real essence of what the personal motivation is, that will ultimately and deeply determine what will inspire them, what will motivate them and the way they act and the way they respond to their professional ambitions. So in my view, those leaders who have the emotional intelligence to get really deep into understanding employees on this level will in the end have a more high performing, a more loyal and a more motivated workforce. Because you are working for and supporting each other, management and employees, management and partners, management and suppliers. And yes, for those listening and thinking that that's not realistic for my business for whatever reason, because it will just take too much time and energy or it's too complex a challenge, Having a business with high employee attrition rates and demotivated and underperforming teams and stalled innovation processes and unfocused management also takes a lot of time and energy, but not in a good way. And as I said in last week's discussion around company culture specifically, you don't have a static culture in business. You either have a culture that's moving forward and progressive and motivated, or you have a culture that's declining and demotivated and falling apart. There is no middle ground. And it's pretty simple. If you feel you're understood, then you feel you want to understand and support in return. It's really simple language, but it's much harder to action. And I want to just touch a little bit more on the point of mediocrity we discussed a little earlier. I would go even further than define mediocrity as Mike alluded to. And I would say mediocrity is the harbinger of failure because the world naturally evolves a little or a lot every day. And we've talked about many times over the new PL about the speed of technological disruption we have in this new PL to the point today. And we've talked a lot recently about the all encompassing and significant effect the pandemic has had on business. But even if we move aside technological disruption or the pandemic, the business world and society evolves a little every day. So if you are in business, at whatever point you're in business, over the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and you continue to just do what you've always done, in a mediocre way and pretending either consciously or unconsciously that the world doesn't change, then sooner or later you will wake up inevitably and realize that the world has moved on and it's now too late for your business to change. The world moves in constant evolution every day and society does and business does and your business has to move in big and small ways every day as well. So my challenge this week to listeners who are listening today to the new PL to the point is to look across the business and despite the changes you may have made over the last six or 12 months, look with honesty across the business again this week and think about what is the one thing that you could change to defy mediocrity in some big or small way in your business? How could you make one small step up operationally, one small step up culturally, one small step up commercially, one small step up in terms of the way you develop your customer experience and you engage and integrate with those customers. What is one area that you perhaps still have mediocrity in your business that you could change tomorrow or make a start on changing tomorrow? How can you defy mediocrity tomorrow in your business? There was a huge amount to cover off with Mike and we've only really just touched on it once again on the new PL to the point today. If you'd like to listen to the whole episode, 
go back to episode 87, the previous episode on your streaming platform, and have a listen to 45 minutes of wisdom from one of the world's true global executives. And if you'd like to learn more about Century 21, check out the notes that accompany this podcast for the social media links and the website details. And we've got an exciting week next week because we're also launching a brand new podcast series on Tuesday or a podcast mini series on Tuesday. And this time it's titled The New PL Voices Behind the Build Back. And we will be interviewing SMEs and small business owners and startups each week, looking at the challenges they've had over the last 12 months and then bringing on an expert or a consultant or an opinion or thought leader from their industry on the fourth week of each month to answer some of their questions and give some views and opinions and advice about how we all as small business owners and entrepreneurs can build back better after the pandemic. Our first conversation next week is with Jamie Palmer from Social Supermarket. It's a fantastic conversation with Jamie, so please make sure you tune in again on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we will be speaking to Emma Chafin, UK Head and Vice President of biotech company Galapagos. And we will be speaking to Emma about what all industries can learn in terms of innovation from the speed of the development of the COVID vaccine. We'll also be covering off the challenges of corporate innovation labs and what the convergence of big tech and biotech means for the future of these industries. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do take a moment to give us a five-star rating or review us or both. We genuinely appreciate it and it's a huge help to us. Finally, I'm Paul, host of the new PNL. Thank you once again for listening. Happy Friday, and I hope you join us again soon.